Yub-nub Yub-nub I told me to be cheeky Gnoop da fling Oh ah Yawa I told me to be cheeky Gnoop da fling Oh ah Cody chat Yub-nub Cody chat to Glow Cody chat Yawa All right, welcome to episode two of Best Frenemies, and if you recognize that song, it is the Ewok celebration, and you are officially a nerd. (laughs) This is uh, Christopher Long. And Johnny Castana. Uh, And after all the hiccups we had with episode one, we actually decided to come back for more punishment. So we're going to give a quick recap. So, um, but first of all, before I get to that, um, Johnny, I would like to point out, I'm going to start calling you Bonaparte because you're a little fucking dictator. <laughs> and uh, All so- short men are. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, uh, Chris, I'm going to be there at 11. Straight up, you need to have the equipment set up and ready to go. Uh, 1140, here comes Johnny. With no kid, so you can't blame uh, your kid this time. No, I'm blaming making uh, beef jerky, and now you don't get any, so... <laughs> so, uh, with episode one, we recorded that, and we had it, what was that, like, maybe we sat on that for, like, two, three weeks? Yeah, but I'm, I'm gonna say three weeks, and, um, yeah, we really didn't know what we were doing. We bought the equipment. We finally uh, figured out how to record and record an episode. And all we needed to do was put on like two songs. And um, that's when the wormhole down um, YouTube came. And oh, Sweet Mary in, um, in Nebraska, who is about 65, she showed me how to uh, actually edit <laughs> songs onto a podcast. And then... Once I figured that out, I'm like, Chris, I got us covered, and I looked up how to get a podcast on to iTunes, and I sent that to you, and how was that for you? Uh, actually, that, I think his name was uh, Joey, <laughs> and he was a pimple-faced 12-year-old, um, yes, pretty confident like he was a virgin, uh, and he told me how to put it up to iTunes. Yeah, seriously, now all you gotta do <laughs> is uh, set your IP address. <laughs> <laughs> and he, Chris was so mad about oh, that. <laughs> but you know what? My hat's off to Joey. Because yeah. of him, we got uh, the first episode of Best Frenemies up on iTunes. Yay! Uh, I mean, I did it kind of wrong. My email address is still up there. Um, <laughs> I don't know exactly how that happened, but we're going to see how episode two goes. So Chris is also taking fan mail, I guess. <laughs> um, feel free to write him. Uh, actually, um, the only email we got um, was from my mom who's saying we're doing a great job oh bless her but she would prefer if i stopped swearing so much uh, yeah. <laughs> so um i know that we promised you guys that mr nick the tooth was going to be part of this podcast today but he got st- we got a text from him yesterday he was stuck in nashville so um i want everyone to keep a keep your ear open for nick the tooth's uh new solo country album that's going to be coming out <laughs> called you can't handle the tooth on mca records <laughs> uh hey that was funny <laughs> thank that you was, that was funny uh yeah he's gallivanting across the country i just saw on instagram that he's flying in a private jet to florida now 
So I'm questioning saying that he was stuck in Nashville. <laughs> He, he that that translates to I have better plans than to hang out with you two guys. I have a better offer, so um, pencil me in next week. <laughs> well, hey, we'll get him. We'll get him sooner or later. Yes. Uh, so Johnny, what is this episode going to be about? This episode is about Ernest Klein and Ready Player One and uh, everything that he kind of opened up and reminded us about our uh, our you know our childhoods and teen formative years of uh, nerddom so my experience with ready player one was we were jujitsu and you had just thrown out um hey have you read ready player one and i believe nick the tooth recommended it to you is that right no my brother billy recommended it to me had that wrong and i think entertainment weekly recommended it to him or something it and i normally do not take book recommendations because i'm super particular like i people give them to me and i'm like yeah okay cool i'll check it out and i don't so i checked it out i read it the most fun i've had reading a book in probably 10 years i will and that's including the books i've written oh uh, whoa <laughs> I, will, I, will, I don't know if that's fun or not i mean doing a podcast i like listening to podcasts but our podcast it, it starts turning into work and then i start getting pissed <laughs> off i'm kind of lazy like that it so Ernest Klein um took him eight years to write Ready Player One, and that feels about right because that book was chock full of pop culture references, just little throwaways that he would just dangle out there and with no explanation. And it was incredibly nostalgic because you're like oh god i remember that i remember that episodes of family ties yeah and the way he builds it up he will start describing a video game and then say the video game like you know flying on horses jousting yes he does the way he does it uh he so there's a quote i got from him that i actually thought was right on the money he uh was asked about how his the pop culture references and how they resonated with everyone and he wrote that um he uses pop culture i'm paraphrasing here he uses pop culture reference as a shorthand and he is writing and talking to all his friends so he will throw out this stuff and people products of the 80s like we both are we get it and he doesn't, he'll throw out something, a phrase, a uh, obscure movie. Oh my God. He talked about Kaida, which is a uh, half red, half blue robot that fights monsters, kind of like uh, Godzilla-like monsters, that you would have to have lived in uh, Hawaii in the 70s or Japan. That's the only place to play it. So I still don't have any idea how he even referenced that. He... So, and he wanted, I mean, there were things that he would throw out there with no explanation and he wanted to paint a picture for people who had his same upbringing. And he actually wrote at one point when he was writing the novel, he questioned whether he was just writing glorified fan fiction because there is so much other pop culture references in there. I mean, they're huge parts of the novel that... Like, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, the book's been out since August, 2011. So, you know, whatever. So, yeah. I mean, if we spoil it, we spoil it. But 
whole scenes, chunks of the story that are like playing out, reenacting the movie War Games. You know, and so there are huge sections of, so I can kind of see how he might feel like, dude, am I just ripping off every like... Yeah, and or he'll talk about the movie Heathers, or he'll uh, start describing a song, and it turns out to be Pour Some Sugar On Me by Def Leppard, and you're like, whoa. He, yeah, I mean, across the board, comic books, movies, television, music, everything, I have never, I would almost suggest a history teacher who's trying to teach about the 80s make students read ready player one i mean i feel that it is it's a love letter to the 80s and ernest klein you can tell by reading him this book that he loves this subject matter so much and he's so enthusiastic um well that's kind of that's kind of played out like let's Let's talk a little bit about his... He started out in Austin, Texas and got a following for being <laughs> a nerd slam poetry reading. And nobody go out and search this because Chris and I already listened to it and it's even too nerdy for us. Um, Ernest Klein, if you are happen <laughs> to listen to this, we actually loved it. <laughs> and then he, uh, his next big break was uh, doing writing... He wrote the screenplay for Fanboy. Um, and I kind of got the impression that that experience wasn't the best for him it kind of sounded like he had a lot of creative control wrestled away from him which is common with screenwriters in hollywood and it sounded like from that experience he decided he was going to go out and write a novel which was ready player one he had this idea and i guess it took eight years to fully you know materialize and the premise he knew when he was getting ready to write the book, that the idea in his head was, what if Willy Wonka was a video game designer and held a contest inside his greatest video game? To me, I mean, I'm I'm in. Yeah, I'm at that signed point, up right there. Yeah, I'm in at that point. Um, and it it is. It's like a, it's a quest. There's a contest, and the world he creates and the characters he creates. Um, are engaging and I cannot everyone I have recommended this book to has loved this book yeah nobody's been like oh it's okay yeah and and also we've uh, recommended a bunch to to just download it on audible yeah you know and so you're the okay when we were getting ready to do this podcast I read this book I don't know three years ago four years ago longer than that for me and my memory with stuff I read is not the best. And actually my memory of even stuff I write is not the best as evidenced by, um, real quick, I'm going to digress for a second. One of my books is available for kids, uh, to test at my son's school. I went in yesterday, his last day of school. I took the test and I only got nine out of 10. Oh, that is hilarious. That's my, my book. So with getting ready, you know, to do this podcast, I was like, oh, God, I got to read this book again. And you suggested Audible, you know, so download yeah. on my phone. And I listened to it when I, you know, was driving in my car. Or I was at the gym. It narrated by Will Wheaton. Which was Will hilarious. Will Wheaton. He, and there was actually one part in the book. That they talk about Will Wheaton. They talk about <laughs> Will Wheaton, which I thought was freaking hilarious. Because, I mean, that solidified, I mean, dude, the guy's a nerd icon. Yeah. Um. 
So listening to this book again, and this is, I mean, I knew how the book ended. I remembered, you know, who comes out on top and whatnot. But there were still moments in the book when I was listening to it and kind of got, you know, a little nervous. It was like, dude, what? And I'm like, why am I? Like, I know what's going to happen, but it still was engaging the second time yeah, around. No, and it's a super fun read. And it's, it's awesome to hear on Audible, too. It's, just, it's an awesome story. And I think what, what sparked it all is because we're aware that it's going to be made into a movie. Yes. And uh, Steven Spielberg is yeah, directing it. Little unknown director, indie guy, <laughs> Steven Spielberg. First big major break. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Because when you read the book and then you hear it's going to become a movie, you're like, how are they going to get clearance for everything that's mentioned in the book? That sounds impossible. So my understanding, what I read, it, you know, and everyone's used to when movies are made from books, they, it's changed. They change things. Um, it sounds like Ready Player One, they're going to be some major things changed in the sense of like, because they, he's making this film for one studio and they can't use clips from another movie studio. Right. So they're going to be changing that up. Warner brothers. Um, Warner brothers is the one that, that is making the studio involved. And so they'll probably be using a lot of already owned Warner brothers stuff. And Steven Spielberg doesn't want to write a love letter to himself, so he's. I know he's not going to use a lot of Steven Spielberg. That's movies what I heard. It. References. I mean, because obviously, I mean, dude, you were right about anything pop culture from the '80s. Steven Spielberg's, you know, has his fingerprints on everything. Yes. So, yeah, he's not going to do a love letter to himself. So, um, so I imagine all the Indiana Jones references <laughs> will not be making. I know the DeLorean is still going to be in the, in the movie. You know, okay, so since you brought up the DeLorean, um, the documentary. Um, game Over? Game Over, which if you have not, it's kind of hard to talk about Ernest Cline if you don't talk about that documentary since he had a prominent, uh, prominent role in that film, which he's going to pick up his... DeLorean from George R.R. R. Martin, the father of uh, Game of Thrones. Yes. Who apparently asked to borrow Ernest Cline's perfectly restored DeLorean from Back to the Future. Yeah, because they interviewed each other or something, and now they're bros. Yeah, now <laughs> they became friends. So Ernest Cline said, oh, yeah, sure, but I, you have to give me a dragon egg, which he did. So Martin sent him a dragon egg from <laughs> Game of Thrones. Um, but in this documentary, which deals with... Um, it was right when the peak of uh, E.T. had just come out, the extraterrestrial. And, um, for people who don't know. Yeah, what E.T. is for you millennials out there. Um, and basically... They the video game industry wanted to you know cash in on it. So normally it takes six. It took them like six months to a year to do a video game. They needed the ET game in six weeks in time to release it before Christmas. And they said, no problem, we got you. And what happened was the worst video game of all time at that time was created. I I actually I had that game. And I remember playing that game because I was one of those kids that had the Atari 2600, which features prominently in Ready Player One. <laughs> I remember wanting to get that game. And I got, it was 
craptastic. It was the worst. I think I maybe played it maybe for an hour. And it was super hard to play. You died really quick. It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any. It was horrible. And you got to remember, it's like a square, a little line in another square, and that's E.T. on the game because it was (laughs) back in the day where... Oh, God. It was horrible. So this documentary, you know, essentially it's been credited with like... There's a rumor. They start out with the rumor. Yes. That... So... Atari buried these games in the, like the way the rumor goes is it was so bad that Atari ended up sending people around to all the stores and buying up all of the video games because they were so embarrassed by the ET game and they took it to a landfill in the middle of the desert and buried them all. So and then it's been credited widely with bringing down Atari, which if you watch the documentary they claim that no there were other issues going on, but throughout history Pop culture history has been credited with destroying Atari. So this documentary deals with them excavating to find the, uh, the these quest. games. So they buried like thousands and thousands of these games. So Ernest Klein comes on and I had, I don't know if I had read the book yet, Ready Player One yet, when I saw the documentary. But he has an encyclopedia you know of video games i mean in his brain um and they interview him in his house and he has this every freaking video game ever made like the guy loves this you know this world and he you know parlayed this knowledge into ready player one and it feels organic i mean it doesn't feel like he's forcing anything no and and actually that was gonna be only a uh part of a mini series it was only going to be like episode one of four and they liked so much the footage they were getting from him that they ended up making it just all on that and releasing it as a movie too oh no kidding yeah. I, I had no idea but that was a great you know so if you read ready player one and you like ernest klein you should go watch the documentary yeah you can, you can stream it on netflix um but anyway so back to ready player one um so tell me what was your favorite part about ready player <laughs> there's just so many to choose from um i just love the fact that uh that you know the whole premise is that there something had happened in in the world that we never you never find out in the book and that everybody is spending all their money and time on this video game system in the future yeah they it i mean it feels like Essentially, so the Willy Wonka character, you know, um, is like at this point in time, a combination between Mark Zuckerberg, you know, Bill Gates, um, that has this, you know, there's a virtual reality world that everyone logs into. Like the world is so horrible that everyone seeks solace in this world where people go to school on it. Yes. So it's like their whole lives um, are spent in, which is, they call it the Oasis, but it's virtual reality is what it, so the idea is the guy who created this an eccentric dies. And in his will, he sets up a contest to, and whoever finds the Easter eggs will win a huge prize. And no one knows exactly what it is. Um, But, 
everyone is concerned that you have this evil corporation that is trying to win the contest because they, you know, and they're going to take over and start charging people money to log into the Oasis and kind of monetize the Oasis. Like, like the guy in Willy Wonka after the everlasting gobstopper. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's not a bad analogy. Yes. Um, so, and, and so the government will pay you. So now there's two sections divided. You're either a game hunter, which they go by Gunter. And they're pure. I mean, they have like a pure, they love Oasis. They're trying to solve it. They don't want people to be charged. Yes. And it's almost like at this point, you could kind of use the parallel to like the open internet. Yeah. Like, you know, the people that are purists and want it to remain open and free for everybody. And then you have the corporations, which throw a dart in this world and you can find any corporation that would love to monetize everything. And so the really good players, the, are, uh, the, the evil corporation is drafting them. And you can tell if someone's been drafted or not because their ID starts with a six. And uh, that's how they have the nickname, the Sixers. And they are just doing it for the money. They're like doing it. it. They'll put you up in a nice house. And you just have to relinquish the prize if you find it. So, a, But you're already taken care of. And in a dirt poor world, it's like, well. But you have to sign over that if you solve and you win the prize that you hand it over. Correct. Um, so Johnny and I were talking the other day. We're getting ready for the podcast. And I threw out the question of like, all right. So of the heroes in our story, and you have uh, Parsifal, which is his avatar name. Uh, you have Artemis, which is the cool girl, the cool, you know, hot girl, um, H H who is, uh, the best Par friend. Yeah. Parsifal's best friend, the lovable best friend. In um, the and then I'm going to let you pronounce the Japanese. It's, it's Shoto and, and Hoto and Shoto or something. Uh, close enough, dude. Uh, it means the, the, the long blade and the short blade on a samurai sword. Yeah, they're so from Japan. They're so. brothers. Um, so Johnny and I were talking. <laughs> we're like, hey, so which character do you think we are? Yeah. And it came up that Johnny and I are whores and we would end up being Sixers. Yeah, I, We would take the, we'd be like, hey, we have a family. We need yeah. the steady paycheck. We can't be freelance. Yeah, I told people I would lie and, and say that I was uh, Shoto, but really, uh, I would be a sixer and take care of my wife and kids. <laughs> yeah, and get the paycheck and agree to sign over everything to the evil corporation. Uh, and that's just the reality of who Johnny and I are. Yeah. We would love to be honorable and purist, but... Um, I'm going to take the money, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll take the money for 100, please. <laughs> Yeah, I just, we just don't have the sensibility to be freelance. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I'd work better, too, if I was put up in a nicer place, you know, looking for the prize. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. I mean, our main character, Parcival, um, he's dude, a, dude he had a, he's a, had a bad lot in life. He's in a van, a broken down van that's freezing that he has to plug a heater into while he's like on like rickety equipment doing this. The, the odds are stacked against him. It, they are stacked against him. And you know what? Since we got into that, so... Johnny 
went down a Ready Player One wormhole and uh, was posting a bunch of shit on our uh, best friend of me's Instagram feed and showing like fan art. I was clogging the feed with fan art because yes. I, I love it. Uh, it's the nerd of me. No, and it's true. But I'm looking at, so they call it the, when you plug into Oasis, you know, the, the heptic, I'm, I'm saying that right? Heptic suit, right? Yes. So essentially you have your, you have your gloves. They're wearing gloves. And then they have the headgear. So the nerd in me, I think that's great. Like, so we went over to Nick the Two's house, I don't know, a couple months ago. And he has, what is the PlayStation 4? He has PlayStation 4 VR, which he will get anyone on that, on the, on the VR machine. He will take you down a VR wormhole. So my experience, this was my first experience with virtual reality. And so Johnny went before me, and he's plugged in playing this like horror video game. Yeah, you're like on a mine shaft, and you're go- it's super scary, dude. I'm I'm well, not gonna lie. And I was watching Johnny, and I was skeptical because all of a sudden Johnny would be like, ah, and like backing <laughs> up, and I'm like, what a pussy! Like really, it's all fake. It's dumb. Like, dude, stop being a weenie. But I plugged into it, and you know I'm it's looking. Terrifying. Yeah, I'm looking one way. <laughs> Your field of vision is really wide, but I'm looking one way. I look back, and there's like a freaking zombie right there. And I was like, ah. <laughs> so it's totally. It was scary. Yeah, and none of the neighbors came over because they heard a woman scream. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even I became apprehensive when so the zombies. You have a gun, and you're shooting them, and you see them coming toward you, and dude, I got a little freaked out. It was like, God damn it. So I'm trying to shoot him and kill him. But with that said, I did not feel like I never felt like I was completely submerged in this world. Like I didn't have the touch. I didn't have the scent. So with Ready Player One, I don't know. When he sent out that fan art and I saw them wearing the gloves and the headgear, for some reason I was like, how it's described in the book seems to be that they're completely submerged. Like it's almost like the matrix where you plug in and you are there, you are tasting this stuff, but he does, Ernest Klein does explain to a certain extent that they have features in Oasis where you can turn on and smell things. Oh yeah. But they have rigs that you can like, yeah. So it feels like you're walking or you're running, but the sense of touch to me, would be the main sticking point of being able to trick your bl- brain that you're doing this. Are you segueing into sex robots right now, Chris? It's always about <laughs> sex <laughs> robots, John. <laughs> it's always, the whole time I'm like, so how do you get a realistic Hummer? <laughs> but, so you have the gloves on, but none of your body. Well, let's just say they figured that out. And in the book, it's already there. And, uh. But how could it be? Because when they had the money, they have the full heptic suit, which I get. Like you could have the sense of touch and he even describes like if you get shot, it wouldn't kill you, but you would feel it. Yeah. You would feel it. So I know and that's it. But that's just once again, poor people are screwed. Poor people are screwed because those suits are really expensive. And I would be one of those losers that could only do my gloves. Oh, you see, that that's another cool part of the book that I loved is like, you know, in the beginning when he's uh, poor, 
uh, he had to basically just stay at school. When other people that have money, they can you can pay in credits to go to other planets. You can buy your own ships. And once he gets some money in the book, and I won't say how he gets some money, but he does. He, you know, there's scenes where he is uh, driving his X-wing <laughs> to a planet. You're like, yeah, that's so awesome. Or he he does get a um, a DeLorean that he combines it with the um, the car from Ghostbusters. So it's like Ecto One or something. You know, Ernest Klein, his fanboy fantasies just completely exploded on the page. Like every shit that you and I would have done. He named a planet uh, Falco after the artist from <laughs> Rock Me Amadeus because oh, he liked the name of it. Hold on. So since we're kind of going in, there's a scene where Parcival and his best friend H are arguing about the merits of the movie Lady Hawk. I took offense because Parcival loved the movie. H, H thought it was just a glorified chick flick. I took offense to that. I freaking love Lady Hawk. You are Team Lady Hawk. Everyone knows that Chris is a big Team Lady Hawk. (laughs) I loved Lady Hawk. I mean, full disclosure, though, I've not watched the film in probably, goddamn, dude, maybe 30 years. And I'm pretty sure the synthesizer music might not hold up today. Yeah, some movies you can't rewatch. Yeah. Like the first Tron. Do not, it's not as high tech as you remember it. Trust me. You know what? I watched that before. So when the last remake, you know, when the remake yeah. came out, I was like, hey, I need to go back and watch the first Tron, which I did not watch uh, since it was in the theater. Wow. I remember that being way better. It being so high tech. Oh, it was and like, oh God, that could really happen. And they, and they show the office that like, you know, you remember this office with like hundreds of desks and stuff in it. And then when you rewatch the movie, it's like three desks and a matte painting of desks. And you're like, oh, that looks horrible. How did <laughs> but at the time it was very cutting edge. So Yes. I remember loving Tron, but they got Ernest Klein. Throughout, I mean, he talked about, made a reference to the first Highlander. He was throwing out references to things I have not thought about in 30 years. No, and he makes you feel cool, too, when he's describing something. If you get it before he, because usually his whole gimmick is he'll describe something and then he'll give you the payoff. He'll tell you what he was describing. Yeah. So in times when I would read and I knew what he was describing before he did it, I, you know. Well, it's like solving a murder mystery. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. You're like, I "I knew that. Like, and no, and you feel, so the point of this contest is to find the Easter egg and the three, well. Three Easter eggs, three keys. Well, the three gates. Three gates. And then the end was the Easter egg. So I'm flipping Johnny off right now. Shocker. Shocker. Everyone's shocked. Chris paid money for that, by the way. Yes, I did. (laughs) Uh, He. Hey, real quick. Did your wife read the book? What, my book? The not your book. We know your wife doesn't read your books. Did your wife read Ready Player One? No. Mine did. And mine actually, she is very far from being a nerd. She actually loved it for all the 80s references and stuff. It does appeal to the masses. You don't have to be a nerd to like this book. Well, and actually, he was asked, Ernest Klein was asked about um, how this book resonated, even with people who are not products of the 80s. And he attributes it to 
he creates a world where everyone lives online, lives in this, you know, virtual reality. And essentially we're kind of at a time where like millennials are so used to Facebook and having these personas out in the ether that are not real. Yeah. Everything's right there for them. Yeah. So he, you know what I had to do? I had to go to the fucking Dewey Decimal System in my library. (laughs) They they have no idea what that was like. The struggle was real. It was. It was real. They have no idea. Oh, dude. And it's always like an old lady at the desk that you had to wait for to help you. They don't know what it's like to have to dig through old back issues of National Geographic to see... (laughs) To see uh, that was our porn. African banana boobs. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't get to just key into Google uh, boobies. Yeah. You know. On our phone. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. That we got in fifth grade. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't have to wait for my, you know, the Victoria's Secret to come in the mail. Or the JCPenney's catalog. Oh, dude. <laughs> JCPenney. Man, that was like an 80s boy's best friend. <laughs> I'm just going to take this upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I'll get it back to you. Uh, I'm looking at the Kenner Star Wars toys. That, there's a whole section in here. I just need them in my room. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, oh, dude, how many times did you hide that like under your bed? I did. I'm raising my hand right now. Moving on, Chris. <laughs> and you know what? And in hindsight, though, all we were looking at were granny panties and bras. Yeah, but <laughs> hey, that was that was really hot in the '80s, dude. That was dude. Dude, that's all we had. Fire. Uh, dude. Oh, I lost my train of thought. So, anyways, the whole point is finding the Easter egg. And Ernest Klein throughout the book. There were Easter eggs for us. There were Easter eggs for all these references, all these movies, things that, you know, music. I mean, talking about Falco, like Falco, Rock Me Amadeus. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. I haven't (laughs) thought of that. So it's, you know, you know, Ernest, you know, Klein made me think about it or talking about Rush. Yeah. How often do you really think about Rush? Yeah, not not a lot, but it, um, it, they even used the Rush song on on the teaser trailer that I sent you when I went down my uh, wormhole. So I'm gonna have to say, um, pretty much everything Ernest Klein talked about, whether you know movies, video games, comic books, I was totally on board with him. I mean, I'm I'm loving what he's talking about. Made me feel very nostalgic. With that said, Rush was kind of a big part of the story. I'm not a Rush fan. I do not like Rush. I've never liked you're, Rush. You're not into high voice singers? You're not into Canadian prog rock, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I never understood. Even Tom Sawyer? <sighs> me, Dude, me, not really. <laughs> oh, please start singing it. Yeah. Uh, no, I. even Tom Sawyer, dude. I mean, whatever. I like I like shitty singers, so... So Rush is Rush is cool with me. Nah, I don't, all right, but he did go in. He talked about Depeche Mode. He talked about New Order. Yeah, and not only that, he will like uh, what I love. He, he'll like talk about a song, and then he'll he'll say the year it came out and like the label it was on. Yeah, it, dude, hilarious. Made me feel really old. Yeah, it made me feel old. It made me feel cool because <laughs> I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> I'm not old. I'm cool. All this worthless <laughs> information we've squirreled away over the years. We're like, hey, we weren't the only ones. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was pretty much it. Finally, something that appeals to me, the reader. Yeah. 
Um, he also did another book, too. I mean, I don't want to ruin too much Ready Player One, because a, a lot of people told us on our last podcast that we basically told the whole movie. and uh, Oh, shit, really? <laughs> of the raid? Yeah. But that's fine. They should have saw it. That came out like 10 years ago. Yeah, so we, I, I'm not going to give anything away from Ready Player One. and I Just know that if you're waiting to say, I'll just see the movie, the movie's going to be totally different. And everyone knows. Everyone knows. Book is always better than the movie. Always better. Except for Goodfellas. The movie was actually better. Joe Pesci, you're the man. <laughs> uh, what about our, our, you want to talk about Armada that he put out afterwards? Because it's not as good. It's cool. You know what? Armada, so that was his follow-up book. Um, Last Starfighter? Oh, hold on. Speaking of Last Starfighter, here we go. So... This, I'm going to read this because when this, our hero, Parsival, it was his login code um, to come into the Oasis. And Ernest Klein just threw this out and didn't make any reference to it. And here it is. Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Dude, I freaking love the last Starfighter. I love the last Starfighter. And actually, Ernest Cline said that Last Starfighter is one of his favorite films. Oh, yeah. So this is the kind of thing, and he just says this, Parsifal says this to log in, and just it, nothing else is ever mentioned about it. And no, it's just, This is an open login. It's in, very early in the yeah, book. Dude, it just made me smile. Yeah. Like, it just made me smile. Because uh, it's a nod, like either you know it or you don't. Yes. And you know what? The thing is, too, if you don't know all the references, I don't think it really ruins it. Um, but I would actually like to speak to someone who maybe does not get all the references and if, if they enjoy the book as much as we do, Yeah. but I will have to find. So if someone reads it that are, if, you know, we need to get some, one of our friends to, who's a little pup, a little millennial. Them, yeah. Make them read it and see if they even understand or listen to the book, whatever. I mean, I have a, a woman I work with, um, she's never seen Star Wars films. Ouch. I know. So How, I, I okay. should probably, nothing, dude. <laughs> She's one of those people, nothing. She called, and I'm not kidding. The other day she was talking about, yeah, you know, I remember that one film, um, you know, the, the monkey that um, was pedaling the bike. I'm like, what? Monkey? <laughs> she was talking about E.T. Oh, wait, what? I know. <laughs> and I was like, dude, he's not a fucking monkey. <laughs> and he actually wasn't pedaling a bike. Nothing <laughs> goes over. I'm going to make her read ready player one. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically Armada's, it has a lot of similarities. It's, a, you know, it's within, it's like the same world, the same tone, I should say, but I will. And I read it. I liked it. He does have a lot of music, more music references from the eighties in that book than because he's always playing with the soundtrack. So they're talking about what songs on in his headphones. Yeah. It's, and it was good. I mean, I would give Ready Player One an A, a solid A. Armada, I would give a B. I mean, it's definitely worth yep. it's definitely worth reading, but it's not quite as special. Ready Player One is really special, um, and I feel that any follow up to that is yeah, you're gonna be stoked. There's no one that's disappointed when we recommend that book. For I've them. never heard anyone say yeah. anything badly about Ready They're Player like, One. It's, it's awesome. So that is, I think, a good time to segue into um 
for people who are listening and listen to the the our last podcast we had someone um come on our our show um sebastian or my C- assistant yeah see bass if you're nasty uh we actually got um <laughs> a lot of really good feedback on, for sebastian yeah and not us so I mean, thanks a lot johnny's wife even said that sebastian was the best part about the podcast which is really disheartening <laughs> because sebastian was on for like 40 seconds yeah and, and Professor Danny said that we were okay, but Sebastian killed it. Yeah, he crushed it. So with that said, um, we have you have some bad, bad news. news. Yeah. Well, uh, Sebastian had to go to rehab because he has a big addiction to Mike and Ike's uh, Zowers. Um, hold it. That, that's candy, right? Yes. Have you tried them? They're loaded with sugar. So, so he's there right now. So I don't actually have my... I did get a temporary assistant, and um, I saw him on Harbor Boulevard, and he was actually selling um, black leather uh, men's fanny packs, and if we're still friends at Christmas, Chris, then you know what you're getting. (laughs) Dude, that's, well, that's a long ways away. So he is, he's doing my errands right now for me. Did you bring him? I did bring him, and- Well, bring him, let's- as far as payment goes, I'm going to let him talk about his gym that he also works at. Oh, so you can't pay him to be run your errands? No, I, I'm, I, I'm not there yet. Okay, gotcha. This, All is, right. this is more of an intern level. So uh, let, why, don't you bring, why don't you bring him in? Okay. Joey! Here. Alright. So I just, I just put these on? <laughs> yep. yep. Okay. Per, just go. You want me to check my mic level? Uh, syphilis. 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 <laughs> It's looking good, Joy. Okay. Uh, I just want to tell you about the gym I'm at. Give it some exposure. Do you own this gym? No, I just work there. Oh. But I'm like, I, you know, I'm an assistant to the assistant manager, so. Okay, so you're moving up the corporate yeah, ladder. All for right. sure. All for right. sure. I'm a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> it, it's called a, well, I'll just, I'll just, I kind of wrote something right here. So let me just read this. All right. Do you have a heart of a lion or just want to train like one? Well, then come on down to Lionheart's Gym. Located on Harbor Boulevard next to Party City and Oh Scrap, Mary's Scrapbook Emporium. <laughs> Which is funny because, you know, I always, I always see Mary and I say, I say, hey, Mary, wh- was, oops, I scrapped my pants already taken? <laughs> and she just gives me that look. I don't think she, uh. I don't really think she likes me that much. Anyways, um, let me just tell you, I know you guys uh, do like the jiu-jitsu. But, yes, uh, yes. Both Johnny and I. Y- yeah, you guys like to put on men's pajamas and roll around with other guys on the mat. That's that's cute. We have a, a little something uh, called Krav Maga. So like, let's say that you and your buddy Sebastian went on a little hot weekend in Fire Island and got back into your car and there was two men waiting for you. Krav Maga's going to show you how to get out of that. Say you were zip tied, you just uh, like that, and I can break the zip tie, which is pretty cool. Have you ever heard of Jeet Kundo? Yes, yes, I've heard of Jeet Kundo. Uh, have you heard of I don't know uh, Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris? They sound vaguely familiar. Well, so has Master Billy, and he teaches there on Tuesdays and Thursdays from six to seven thirty. So, 
you should really come in. We also got that. Uh, that so, Howell, you're saying that Master Billy studied under Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. No, I'm saying that he knows those names, too, like them. And you should come in and talk to him about it. He also um, teaches a half-hour Muay Thai class. And uh, you could really get something out of it, especially uh, be able to get you to, to like touch your toes and bend a little <laughs> bit more because uh, something's obviously wrong with you right now. But... Uh, that's a sensitive subject right, right now. All right. Uh, anyway, so Joey, it was fantastic. Oh, okay. Uh, am I out of time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you put Johnny back on? Uh, Yo. Hey. <laughs> Joey, amazing, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> He's something. No, He's jo- something else. Joey, Joey is great. So are you are you gonna go there and train at Lionheart's gym? I've heard I've heard that uh, they got some knowledgeable people. So you know we'll check it out. It's just down the street. So I'm, and I actually need to go to Party City anyway. So whatever we can yeah. get some scrapbooking stuff too when we're there. Well, it was nice meeting Joey. Uh, so anyway, that will wrap up the second episode of. Look, Johnny just looked at the time, and he's very happy that we've gone 45, 45 minutes. Yeah, it's better he, than 20 minutes. <laughs> he was a little, you would have thought he was talking about his penis size over the length of our first episode. He was super... No, the girth. Um, the girth. <laughs> <laughs> he was super making excuses to everyone that it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was only 21 minutes, but, um, you know, we were just kind of figuring it out. Next time, it's going to be longer. <laughs> So he's very, very happy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we will try to get this up and online. Uh, Today or t- this weekend? By this weekend, yes. Yeah. I think I, we, we maybe shoot for like tomorrow. And I, I would, don't want to make the mistake. I do want to once again thank our beautiful wives and uh, children for, uh, I'm going to thank Desi and Donovan for putting up with all of the extra nerd stuff where I excuse myself and go in the other room and start going down a wormhole on YouTube. Hold on a second. Um, so hold it. We're gonna make a habit of thanking our families after every podcast. I think. I think they. <laughs> we put them through a lot. <sighs> if you don't want to thank your family, Chris, go right ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jamie and Jackson, for putting up with all my nerd crap. Yay! Hi, Chris. All right. Thank you. We will uh, hopefully one of these days we're going to have Nick the Tooth. Yeah. We, we're just going to say every episode Nick the Tooth's coming and then we're just going to run out of time. He's he's like our uh, Matt Damon from Jimmy Kimmel. So so we will give we are going to the next podcast. Uh, we're going to be introducing a new segment that's going to force Johnny and I to talk a little bit about ourselves. And we are going to get a Pokemon authority Ooh. to come in and teach us to up our street cred on Pokemon. I'm glad you brought that up because um, I went down on levels of coolness with my son Donovan. I actually made the mistake of saying Pokemon. And, oh. and I watched him walk away from me going, Pokemon. It's Pokemon. I, I'm, so I'm not as cool, and I got I to gotta work my way back up there again. Uh, I was under the assumption that Pikachu was the best Pokemon you could have. Yeah, dude, his tail is a, is a lightning bolt, right? I'm, apparently, he's the worst. And what? any true Pokemon authority uh, really dismisses Pikachu out of hat. So I don't know what's... Mind that. blown right there. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to learn about this in our next episode. All right, we'll keep coming back, Chris. It works 
you work it and it sucks if you don't <laughs> thanks a lot guys